A very good evening, and thank you for joining Parenting Chabura, our topic of the series, Personal Legacy. What does your family stand for? And we had some great discussion last week. Someone raised the topic of Kiddush Hashem, that in their family, they're very particular to make sure that when they're in public, they indeed embody higher values, higher calling in front of others. And in general, I'd like to explore some examples of people or thoughts that can be very uniquely chosen for your family and open up discussion after that on these topics. An example, Reb Simcha Wasserman and his Rebetzin Zechronim Levrocha were an awesome peer, loyal to each other in a phenomenal way. In a physical sense, Reb Simcha Wasserman traveled I think his wife was based in Detroit, if I remember correctly. And Reb Simcha Wasserman traveled the entire West Coast teaching Torah on rotation. He would show up in a community, give a shear, and give them homework. And they had a specific set of sfarim that they acquired in English. And after he gave the shear, they spent time with whatever sources he recommended. And then he came back and gave the next shear. And as a result, he was able to kindle, in many cases, the first seedlings of Torah on the West Coast. Reb Simcha Wasserman once shared with his Rebetzin, perhaps this is why Hashem did not grant us children. So that I should be able to change communities. And I'm not delving into, you know, that's a shocker didn't have children, what that means. What I'm focused on is his attitude that he and his Rebetzin together in their own unique way had a purpose, a purpose that was uniquely them, that they felt no one else was able to do. A more historical example, Devorah, the famous Nevi'ah, was married, according to many sources, to Barak, the general. And their partnership was not just the prophet with the general. Their partnership was family as well, husband and wife. The Medrash tells us that somehow 
they were wed, but they were coming from very different places, perhaps a match made by their parents or something. Devorah was scholarly. Not only was she a prophetess, but she was a tremendous scholar to the point that according to some sources, she was the leading scholar of the generation and actually informed the Besdin how they should paskin. Her husband, Barak, was a very nice man, but he was not a Torah scholar. He wasn't even engaged in that way. And the Medrash Yalkut Shimoni tells us, Eishes Lapidos. She had a strategy to get her husband more involved in Torah. She would make wicks for the Mishkan, and she would have him deliver them to the Mishkan, to the base Medrash. And like this, he would develop a connection with the Tamide Chachamim, which played out in an awesome way. He was a general. It's like a different section of the nation. And he got along very well with the Tamide Chachamim. He respected them. They respected him. And in Shiraz Devorah, we find Libi Lechokike Yisrael Hamisnad Vimbaam. Devorah and Barak are able to sing the praises of the Tamide Chachamim. And she achieved something with her husband, their family net legacy, besides her scholarship, which is hers, but their family legacy was a connection to Torah that was. Second to none, it was awesome. And it brought the people together. Instead of a friction, as there was regarding the other Shavatim who didn't join them in battle, Devorah and Barak were very at peace with their relationship with the Tamide Chachamim that they relied on for the Zuchusim. We sent out an interesting article from a family first of a woman who raised in the world of the seminaries envisioned her husband to be a quintessential Talmud Chacham giving Divrei Torah at the Shabbos table. And I'm not as my message looking to detract from that dream. That should be the goal and that should be the tone of a Torah home. But this woman recounts how the way it played out for her personally was that her husband gave a brief Torah thought, especially when she requested it. But that wasn't what made him tick. What made him tick was chesed, was lifting people up, was inviting them for Shabbos and making them feel, in her words, like a million dollars. And she had to go through an entire metamorphosis of perspective to appreciate her lot, the lot that she and her husband and their impact and their legacy in the world. 
And if we think about it, the founding families of our nation, each were different. Like we mentioned last week, Avram and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka, Yaakov, with his wives creating the Shiftei Ka. Everybody has a different nuance under the umbrella of Torah. What is yours? What does your family stand for? I thought of a few which I wanted to share before we open up for discussion. Communication nowadays is a hot topic. I'm told that Steve Jobs, who was one of the key personalities behind the Apple smartphones, was very aware of how intuitive and addictive smartphones can be. He didn't want his children to have them. He didn't want them at the supper table. There's even a gimmick product out there, which is a cage in which people put their phones and you can set it for 30 minutes, for 60 minutes, for 90 minutes, whatever you want. You put your phone in, you lock it, you set the time, and there's no password that will get it out early. It's locked in with an awareness that if we don't put the distractions aside, we're not going to be able to communicate with each other. We're not going to be able to pay attention to each other, to concentrate. Communication in our time has become a premium. I'm reminded of the cute story from the days that phones were just coming in. So a certain wealthy farmer was the only person in town who could afford, and he installed a phone. And whenever it rang, it was the excitement, and everybody would come and listen to the ring and, and watch him talk on the phone. And one night, his phone was ringing, but it was during supper. And he wouldn't pick it up. And people come running and they hear the ring and they're telling him, banging on his door, the phone is ringing. And the farmer said, I installed it for my convenience. Right now, it's not convenient. As things have evolved over the decades, that would take intense discipline. Indeed, smartphones have do not disturb settings because once it starts ringing, it's really hard not to pick it up. Communication is not just interpersonal. Communication with Hashem. If a person knows that his phone even will vibrate any second now, it's hard to get into a mind frame of connection in davening, knowing 
that you could be carefree, so to speak, of distractions and be able to concentrate. Communication very well could be a person's family assignment, not to browse emails while you're talking to somebody, to engage in active listening. I noticed yesterday a particular contemporary business critique that sometimes a boss will receive an email from a worker that was sent during a Zoom meeting on a different topic that they were supposed to be attending and paying attention to. We're busy. We're busy with everything else except for communicating. And a person can choose to communicate and start with a spouse, with children. It'll make such a difference. Other slogans that could be helpful. In our family, we like to be happy. I don't mean happy like naive, blissful, but to be able to see and live in the present and see the positive, to feel there's no place I'd rather be than with you or then with the situation that I happen to be in. There's a famous challenge. If you had six months left to live, what would you change? And if a person can say, I wouldn't change anything. I really treasure the way I live my life. That's an awesome place to be. And if perchance a person says, there's a lot that I would change. So then within your ability, try to change it. Try to be more in balance so that you could live a life that's happy. That is where you want to be. Another great slogan it was hard, we tried, and now it's easy. Which is not just the slogan, but it's the mood of being a fighter. Being a person who stays in the game. Not to think of a person, ourselves, as the victim but to think of ourselves as survivors, as warriors, as fighters. Because when we encounter a difficult situation, we want to know personally that we're the type of person that can meet the challenge and tap into our friendships, our resources, our history and experience, and make the best of the situation and put our best foot forward. So those are my thoughts, and I invite you to share yours. Thank you for joining.